but can very much talk with them and say, hey, you should probably leave. Like, I'm going to kill you if you don't. That's, that's like, the spooky calmly. temple voice to use, too. Hey, you should right. probably leave. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Welcome to Monsters and Multiclass, your Dungeons and Dragons fix. I'm Eliotti. I'm Jared Bornicle. And I'm Will Melton. And on this episode, we are taking a look at the Eidolons and their companion stat block sacred statues. So we'll get to that, what that means in a minute here. Um, not much introduction for these guys. To, yeah, Jared, just take it away. You can talk about it. <laughs> yeah, these are protectors of, of sites. Uh, usually for holy sites, uh, gods often rely on... Man, you said it perfectly the first time. Eidolons, there we go. Eidolons, uh, to to just protect protect safeguard sacred areas. Uh, they are forged from the souls of those with unwavering devotion. So this could be like a reward for a cleric. Hooray, you did it. You were my champion for all of these years. And now you get to guard this area for the rest of your life. Eternity. This is eternity. Yeah, you're yeah, right. When, Sorry. when yes. they die, this is the reward for eternity. Gets acted in service to these god, which sounds like torture to me, but it's framed as like this really positive thing for these people. So I, I guess mean, like great for them. Yeah, it, it's kind of like the equivalent of an old man who gets to yell at children to get off of his lawn for eternity. But like that's his that's his comfort place. Like nothing <laughs> gives him more joy than telling kids to f off. So they they generally will. Uh, I don't know, I guess be wandering around the temples. Uh, but when somebody steps foot into a warded location, the Eidolon plunges into a statue specifically prepared to house its soul, which is the sacred statue. It then animates this effigy and uses the statue to drive out the intruders. Yeah, in terms of the Eidolon within 5th fifth edition, there's not really much anything at all about how these things look. There's no art with them this sacred statue art so i I just kind of imagine they're just sort of like formless spirits they're kind of like i like a mist that just sort of like moves through the the sacred site that's about what i got to i mean it says they're ghostly spirits bound to safeguard a sacred place so you know i don't think you have to get too too creative to think of what they look like ghostly spirits (laughs) if you want to flavor it you know depending on the god god's location that they are guarding you can have a ghostly spirit that resembles their their emblem or something like that so you just have like a, a ghostly hammer for a forge god you know whatever makes sense yeah you did dig up a previous edition art of them and they are absolutely terrifying though I, these might be the sacred statues i think so yeah to me those look like statues still yeah um, that they're cool. They definitely are. They look a little bit cooler than the sacred statues. The sacred statue, I, I don't know what it is about it, but it, the the art just seems so goofy to me. It it looks like a throwback. Um, like the AD&D or like first, one of the really, really early edition player handbooks has one of those on it. You're totally right. And I think that's why. And it's like, I think connected to like Tomb of Horrors, like the demon hole thing and... No, that's another one. I don't know how it's connected, but that was yeah, the, it just kind of gives like that like old, really old, cheesy fantasy art vibe to it. And I imagine it's purposely a throwback to that. The Maw of Annihilation. The Maw right. of Annihilation. For uh, Tomb of Horrors? Yeah. That thing was Oh, awesome. yeah. Yeah, we just <laughs> called it the Demon Hole when we played the that. <laughs> 
Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the the book that it's actually on. But yes, Tomb of Annihilation looks to be like it has this sort of I, I I don't know. I haven't found the book exactly, but either way, I I know exactly the cover you're talking about. It's hey, the first if you're edition handbook. Is it the first edition handbook? Mm-hmm. Wow. I looked at second and third. I didn't think it was that far back. I think that's supposed to be like Moloch or something, which they mentioned in the like brief flavor text. Okay. Who's yeah, that? it's definitely first edition. Yeah. No, this is. No, I don't remember. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you know who it is, if you know any history around the the art of this statue, please let us know in the comments. I, we apologize. We are not Lorists? forgotten realms lore archivists or anything. <laughs> uh, but the the creature itself, the Eidolon. Uh, in in terms of stat block, we do have something kind of interesting here. This is a challenge rating twelve, the Eidolon, and it has an AC of nine and an HP of sixty three, and does an average damage per round of literally zero. Uh, so unless it is in the the sacred statue, this thing is not intimidating as as much as it is maybe hard to to pin down. It has a lot of resistances, immunities, and whatnot, uh, but yeah, you know. It's not putting up a fight once you break the statue. Yeah, I think the challenge rating is assuming it's in the statue because the sacred statue doesn't have a challenge rating. Yes. Which is weird, even though it is a dedicated stat block. Well, it doesn't have a challenge rating because technically it's just a statue. I guess, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, it's its mech suit. The mech suit doesn't have a challenge rating unless it has a pilot, but... This thing doesn't work unless it has a pilot. So I don't know. Either way, let's go through the stat block. <laughs> so the we'll just talk about the Eidolon first and then go into the sacred statue. Uh, it mentioned the AC and HP already, but we also have a fly speed of 40 feet as well as it has hover, has strength of seven, dex of eight, con of nine, intelligence of 14, wisdom of 19, and charisma of 16. Uh, that high wisdom does make me think that this this really would be like a gift to a cleric. And you can almost start coming up with lore for what the Eidolon was in a previous life. I don't know if that would have relevance in your game, but I guess you could make it have relevance. Yeah. I mean, it could for, talk, so. Right. Um, and I, <laughs> I wonder if it knows anything from its past life. Hmm. And it knows the languages it knew in life, so I'm going to go with Yes. Okay. All right. See, we've got some lore brewing. There we go. Uh, In-world lore. Again, not Forgotten Realms lore. I don't know it. Stop asking me questions about it. Saving throws, you got wisdom plus eight and skills perception plus eight. Then we have resistances. Like I mentioned, a bunch here. Resistant to acid, fire, lightning, thunder, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical attacks. Damage immunities to cold, necrotic, and poison. Condition immunities of charmed, exhaustion, frightened, grappled, paralyzed, petrified, poisoned, proned, and restrained. Lots. Yeah. Yes. But, I mean, it's a ghost. So, yeah. Have you ever tried poisoning a ghost? Doesn't work. (laughs) Um, I'm almost surprised with it being a ghost. No, never mind. This makes sense. I was going to say vulnerability to radiant damage, but they're... They're like a god's ghost. So that would be a little silly, wouldn't it? For senses, we've got dark vision out to 60 feet, passive perception of 18, and then the languages it knew in life, as mentioned. 
Um, for passives, it has incorporeal movement. Nothing too wild there. It's able to move through objects as if they were difficult terrain. If it ends its turn there, it takes 1d10 force damage, uh, unless it's in the sacred statue. Then it has its sacred animation, which recharges on a five or six. When the Eidolon moves into a space occupied by a sacred statue, the Eidolon can disappear, causing the statue to become a creature under the Eidolon's control. The Eidolon uses the sacred statue's stat block in place of its own. And it's interesting that that's a recharge of five or six. Yeah, I had that same thought too. Because it sounds like there's probably like one of these sacred statues. But there doesn't have to be. No. Yeah, my impression is there would be one Eidolon, for sure, and then maybe multiple sacred statues, as you see fit. Right. Right. But each round, then, while it's fighting in the sacred statue, you would be re-rolling the D6 to try and recharge it anyways. So it kind of seems like it should just be something that does. That's fair. I mean, I guess the idea is that if you... If you were a DM trying to cheese this fight, I don't know why you would, but it happens. Uh, then if you need it to have the sacred animation recharged, if your party destroyed the sacred statue or found a way to drive it out, then it wouldn't be able to go into another sacred statue until it recharged. So it would almost be like it's out in the the open. It could be attacked, the actual you know core of it. And in that time, you need to kill it before it gets sacred animation back, takes over another sacred statue, and the fight continues. Makes so, it more interesting, I guess. But I, I don't know. I think most of the time it would just be up. The sacred animation? Yeah. Sure. Again, it just depends on how you want to to run the fight. If, right. if you have... If you're, like, having level 20s fight this thing, then they are going to just burn through the sacred statues, most likely, in, you know, a turn or two. And that could be a an interesting way to go about it. But otherwise, if you did just want to have them, like, kind of a set amount of, there's two sacred statues, I want the, them to have to fight two of the sacred statues, then, yeah, you could just throw the recharge out and it wouldn't matter. Sure. I, I like the, the wording is interesting. Um, the Eidolon can dis... This disappear causing the statue to become a creature under the Eidolon's control even though the flavor is clearly the Eidolon goes into the statue and possesses it um, but I understand why that's kind of messy wording and it's much easier to just word it as they did instead of having to put in three paragraphs of possession rules like how ghosts and stuff have it sure but it was just to me really reminiscent like if like if you able to peer behind the scenes in like a video game or something to see the kind of like band-aid spaghetti string coding of how things actually work. Like if you're like in a vehicle, it's like in a first person game, it's the character model with their head is replaced with the vehicle running around the map with increased speed crap like that. That's the classic. This just kind of like, gave me that vibe. Yeah, right. there's a video on Resident Evil 2, like when you hack the camera, you can find a room where all the characters who are about to be in a scene are just like hanging out. Just you can't get into the room. They're just like sitting there tea posing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this just felt like a little like peeling back the mechanics of D and D. I I don't know. Just just kind of struck me. Yeah, and so you're saying the the other part here is that if they if they didn't have it disappear, then they'd need to have odd possession rules and everything. Right. I do still wonder if if you're able to try and turn undead against the creature once it's in the sacred statue. 
I'm thinking no. Oh, actually, I think we might have an answer in the sacred statue. So I will hold that discussion for later. <laughs> Does it? Yeah, okay. It has or something around it. I, I don't know if it specifically calls uh, turning, but we do have turn resistance where the Eidolon has advantage on saving throws against any effect that turns undead. And then unusual nature. So it doesn't require air, food, drink, or sleep. That would be odd if it did require it. The undead possessing fog, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Catch it in the uh, middle of a meal. And then in terms of actions, it only has a single one. And that is Divine Dread. Each creature within 60 feet of the Eidolon that can see it must succeed on a DC 15 wisdom saving throw or be frightened of it for one minute. While frightened in this way, the creature must take the dash action and move away from the Eidolon by the safest available route at the start of each of its turns, unless there is nowhere for it to move. In which case, the creature also becomes stunned until it can move again. That's actually, I think the only time I've seen that happen with frightened. Like if you can't run any further, you're stunned until you have a path forward. Right. Um, usual frightened rules for getting rid of it can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turns. Any of the effect on a success, if they succeed, the effect ends and they're immune to the divine dread for 24 hours. So that's definitely a nasty ability. Um, it's kind of weird and crappy that it's by itself. That's literally the only thing this could do until it goes into a sacred statue. Yeah, it it doesn't take an action to possess the statues. So I can see it it does this. It kind of fears the party and then go into a statue and start chasing them down because I don't think it'll end if it disappears by possessing a statue. No, I couldn't imagine it would either. Uh, One thing that's important just to to think of for the, the flavor of this creature, this encounter even, is that its goal doesn't seem to be to kill intruders. It is to drive out intruders. Right. So to me, if it does this divine dread, its goal isn't to, I mean, of course it's probably going to go into the sacred statue because it's a lot easier to keep people frightened in there. But if it gets everyone to run away for the next 24 hours, then that's a win. Or, I mean, obviously you'd want to keep them back longer, but it's only going to be high level adventurers who are able to succeed a DC 15 wisdom saving throw on a regular basis and all that. So I think that's important to keep in mind. It doesn't need like a big follow up. Yeah. Like random, random individuals find the tomb, go in there and they get spooked by this thing and just flee, just run out. And then hooray goal accomplished. Right. But let's say that goal isn't accomplished. That's when the sacred statue does come in. So as mentioned, this thing does not have any challenge rating, but it can kind of be assumed it's like the challenge rating 12 or like the combined entity of them all together makes a challenge rating 12. I don't know. Um, So armor class of 19, much better. HP of 95, speed of 25, and then has... Strength of 19, Dex of 8, Con of 19, 14 Intelligence, 19 Wisdom, 16 Charisma. Uh, Keeps that saving throw of plus 8 Wisdom. Loses the Perception skill, I guess. Uh, And then it has the same Resistances, Immunities, and then I think the Condition Immunities change a little bit. Um, it has the ability to become restrained. So it has charmed, exhaustion, frightened, paralyzed, petrified, and poisoned. 
Um, so yeah, it gains the ability to become restrained and prone. prone it looks yeah. like and that's the only Which difference. Makes sense because it has a body now, right? Still has dark vision up to sixty feet. Still knows all the same languages. And then it has for passives false appearance. So if the statue is motionless at the start of combat, it has advantage on its initiative roll. Moreover, if a creature hasn't observed the statue move or act, the creature must succeed on an 18 investigation check to discern that the statue isn't an object, which is a little bit interesting because that means that that really would only come up if the Eidolon has already inhabited the sacred statue, because if it hasn't, then it is just an object. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're, uh, the Eidolon's smart enough to go into the statue and then just play a statue until an opportune moment. I mean, intelligence of 14, they, like, I mean, they would know how to set traps and things like that. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, so then next it has Ghostly Inhabitant. The Eidolon that enters the statue remains inside it until the statue drops to zero HP. The Eidolon uses a bonus action to move out of the statue, or the Eidolon is turned or forced out by an effect such as Dispel Evil and Good Spell. So that's where I was saying maybe Turn Undead works on this, because it says a an effect such as Dispel Evil and Good. So would Turn Undead work there? Because it says that the Eidolon disappears. Uh, I hate it when they get that vague. <laughs> Like, that's no help at all. Forced out by an effect such as to spell evil and good. Because that's... Turn on dead is not a hard ability to come by. Clerics and paladins. Some right. paladins and all clerics get it. I think the intention and, is, yes, turn on dead works. Because the Eidolon is turned is not explicit, but that kind of seems... I, it seems like that would just kind of trivialize this fight. Does it? I mean, it's not like it just explodes the creature. Well, it leaves, and then it needs to flee. Until it succeeds on its save. Sure, and it it doesn't have that much AC or health, so it would just be taken down real quick. And also, it does say, like, it disappears. It's not there. So it's saying if you, like, cast a spell evil and good on the statue that dispels the Eidolon from it, to be able to turn on dead on the Eidolon when it has effectively disappeared. I mean, clearly it's up to DM discretion. That's literally codified in the rules. That's obviously yeah. up to DM discretion. So that's your call as a DM to see how the fight's going. And if you feel they earned it, it's by letting it them just use turn on dead. Oh, that's horrible. That is bad. <laughs> that's not good game design. It's no. like, oh yeah, depending on how the fight's going, then, then you can decide like, no, 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 no. That's not how things should go. But I feel like my gut is saying that Turn Undead would work. And I don't think it would be the encounter ender that maybe we think it would be. Just because, yes, they get turned. But also, you know, they have advantage on the saves in the first place. And they have that's plus true. eight to wisdom saving throws. Which I'm pretty darn sure that's what Turn Undead goes towards. I think you're right, yeah. It sounds like a wisdom save. Right. Just no Turn undead. Yes, must make a wisdom saving throw. So my thought is if the player, if the party succeeds, you know, they use their channel divinity, turn undead works, which again, it 
probably won't, but if it does, then their reward is the Eidolon is cast out until it succeeds, which it probably will next time because it still has advantage and it still has plus eight. And then it will probably try going back into a statue. So I feel like that could be interesting because it, it creates that moment of, ooh, if we do this correctly, if we succeed, then maybe this fight won't be very hard or nope. Okay. It's still going to be very difficult. Kind of like banishment. Yeah. You got to like work around banishment. Once banishment's on the table, you can't just be like, well, we're never having a fight with a demon because all you have to do is banish it. It's (laughs) like, Hey, you got to just let them have some. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. If I was a cleric and I used my channel to divinity to turn on dead on this thing, when I possess the statue to try and scare it out of it. And it was like, Nope just doesn't work because the weird hacky rule to save some lines of text says the word disappear. I I would be a little, I would be a little bothered. Yeah. (laughs) I know you would. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Let's turn on that work. Um, All right. So I I missed the last sentence here. So just to to wrap it up in ghostly inhabitant says when the Eidolon leaves the statue, it appears in an unoccupied space within five feet of the statue. So it, it is clearly codified that it appears near it. Right. Uh, It does say that it has the inert ability without an Eidolon inside the statue is an object. Okay. And then unusual nature. I'm not even going to reread that. You know what it does. For actions, this one can you do damage. You used more words to say you're not going to reread it than to just reread it. And you used more time to point out that I did that yeah, I did, than just yeah. letting me move on. All right. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, everyone. How do our episodes become two hours long? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you're enjoying, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, tell your friends about the show. I mean, come on, we're, we're trying our best here. So for actions, it has multi-attack, of course, and this is where the damage actually comes in. It can either make two slam attacks or rock attacks. Makes two slam or rock attacks. That wording is actually important because usually if something is phrased this way. It'll be like they make two sword attacks and one dagger attack or two dagger attacks, something like that. This means that you can either do a slam and a rock throw or two slams or two rock throws. Uh, The slam is plus eight to hit reach of 10 feet. So one target and does 60, 12 plus four bludgeoning damage average of 43. And then the rock is a ranged attack plus eight, 60 feet slash 240 and then does 60 10 plus four bludgeoning damage for an average of 37 damage so it hits like a truck <laughs> yeah like holy yeah, shit that is that. a lot of damage that honestly is is almost it's almost deceptive just from the perspective of this is a challenge rating 12 challenge rating 12 i'd expect a party of like level eights to probably take on and survive that one shot people yeah that's gonna one shot a level eight character pretty easily i mean right now y'all are one rounded i guess one round yes yeah two hits would kill it kill him the problem is it's also these are some fat crits i was gonna say (laughs) can you imagine if it quits quits crits 12 d 12 bludgeoning damage what is that shit 
<laughs> that's yeah. You have to be a little bit careful with that. Yeah. A lot of it careful with that. You have to be a lot of it careful with that. This thing is definitely a, I don't know if glass cannon's the right word for it. I mean, it, it has resistances, but 95 HP is not that much. Honestly, I'm throwing, you guys are, are level five and I threw enemies with like 200 HP at you if it's a single enemy. So yeah, definitely not a lot. Could Nin- probably take this down in a round or two. Yeah, 19 AC is pretty high though, especially if it's true. with bounded accuracy. Like, I mean, you're going to miss it a lot. It's true. That's true. So it's an interesting, I, I would like to see how this fight actually goes. Uh, but my right. gut tells me that I would not throw this at a party under level nine. And I yeah. want to make sure that this is like probably one of the first things that they do so that I can adjust afterwards. Like this may end up being a boss fight. <laughs> and then not to mention it's rock. I mean, it has a 60 foot range, 240 foot range with disadvantage for only doing slightly less damage. Yeah. So keep in mind though, that at level nine, usually going down isn't where things get bad. That's true. It's actually it's actually dying where things become a problem. And this thing doesn't strike me as bloodthirsty. So if I was playing this as a DM, I would not be, you know, oh, I dropped you to zero. Here's another slam attack. Here's another slam attack. That doesn't seem necessary because that, it's totally it's fair. its goal is like, all right, I knocked you unconscious. Drag your friend out of here. We're done here. We're right. finished. Right. And it it is, it doesn't do a good job of scaring people. I, I, like, it, I guess it is thematic. That crazy damage, like low health, crazy damage is pretty thematic for this thing where it's going to get like two hits and like knock someone unconscious in one round. And the party is going to start to question. It's like, holy shit. All right. Maybe we should actually listen to it and just leave. It's clearly not going to pursue us. Yeah, and that really brings us into how to use this creature, right? Like, not not just from the the combat perspective. I think its stat block is fairly straightforward, and we've we've already discussed that a little bit. But in terms of when a party is going to interact with this, that much is is pretty obvious. It's going to be in a a temple, a safeguarded location of some sort, and this thing's probably going to warn the party or can warn the party, I guess, if, unless you want it to be a surprise, but can very much talk with them and say, hey, you should probably leave. Like, I'm going to kill you if you don't. That's, know. that's like, the spooky calmly. temple voice to use, too. Hey, you should right. probably leave. Hey, guys. You said that spooky Okay, you could spook it up a little bit if that's the kind of game you're running. <laughs> Channel your inner Olmec. I still don't know who that is. Legends is that from that old Nickelodeon show? Mm-hmm. The the temple game show. Oh thing? my gosh! The name of it. Legends. Of the I haven't thought about that in a while. <laughs> I think about that probably every day. <laughs> I feel like that's not the first time I've heard you say that, and that that shows it did have staying power. Uh, <laughs> so yes, you can channel your your inner. Olmec and and have this be a super spooky thing and like most parties they're probably going to ignore it especially if they have a goal in the temple they're not just going to say oh we're out of here but 
you know, you can you can do it in in two different ways. One, it could have just a a a warning, but it could also have a puzzle. And I really like when when puzzles have the failure condition of now you have to deal with a fight. Um, and I've done that a couple of times. I don't even know if, if games you've played, but either way, it usually turns out really well because one of the frustrating things with puzzles, especially if they're like riddles and such, is that if the party doesn't get it, you all just kind of sit around for like an hour and go, wow, we're bad at puzzles, everybody. <laughs> or as the DM, you're like, wow, I'm bad at making puzzles. And now I feel like we've just, you know, totally ground to a halt. Um, but these seem like places where there would be ways to enter and get entry. So either you you know the answer to the riddle, your party researched it beforehand, or, I mean, they could go in, they talk to this thing, it goes, hey guys, could you please leave? And they go, no. And he goes, all right, well, do you have the password? And they go, no. And he goes, all right, well, I'm going to have to, I'm going to beat the crap out of you. And then somebody goes down first round because this thing <laughs> slams hard. The party goes, oh, okay, all right, we'll go get the password. We'll go figure it out. <laughs> We're going to do some research. And that becomes an entire quest hook on its own is how do we get past the sacred statue? Okay, I like that. And especially you can kind of add to the fear of it of having more than one sacred statue, still just one Eidolon. Yeah. But more than one sacred statue. So they know, like, even if they do manage to like keep this thing at bay and kill it and burn it down, it's just going to pop over to another one. And have to fight it again. And so then you could kind of have branching quests idea where either you could go find the password or the answer to this really hard riddle, or you find a way to stop it from transferring statues. You could somehow yeah. trap it in this one. Uh, Magic Circle spell would probably do that. So like, there's like yeah. kind of a creative built-in solution. Yeah, or even, like you that. know, again, doing research on what it is and, and knowing Dispel <laughs> Evil and Good will we'll at least get it out of the statue. Oh, right. And then it does become that game of of trying to do damage to the Eidolon before it recharges and goes into another statue. Right. So I, I think this is, it's extremely open-ended in how it can be handled. And I absolutely love that. Yeah. And if you want to give a little more to it than just like a certain spell or something like that, it's just like you could create a something. You can make, make a MacGuffin for this fight. They have to go get, and then like Ghostbusters it. And when it pops out, they, they get like a ghost prison where they could hold it up and activate it for an action and it could uh, fail to save, suck it into the prison and then you're good to go. Yeah, like we you were saying with the multiples, you can, in a way, make this a puzzle fight. Make it in a situation where you really just cannot beat this thing. Because it, it can bail on its even slightly damaged statue as soon as it's ready to go. And right. if you're in like a room with like 40 of these... Your party's gonna be like, this is not going great. They have, to <laughs> right. do the, they have to do the puzzle thing. And I think to that end, there is a probably a pretty good argument for toning this guy down a lot and making it kind of so this is a fight where it's trying to pop him out and beat him up and not murdering your party in two rounds. That's very fair. Yeah. If you if you want it to be kind of figuring out that you need to, you know, break the statue see that there's this miasma floating in the air and that's what you actually are targeting. And, you know, you got to, you have a round to do damage to it before it pops into another sacred statue and you have to repeat the process. That could be a fun fight. Literally just have the damage on all of these and it will be a more reasonable fight as well. 
I might even lower the AC. I mean, make the sacred statues more just weaker in general. You can really tailor it to the the type of fight that you're you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, I mean, it is really easy, though, for the Eidolon to transfer. It's just a bonus action for them to leave the statue, which they have no other uses for. And then it's simply entering the space of another statue. That's it. It's not an action or anything like that to possess one. Yeah, and then I guess you, you run into the potential scenario where where people are holding their action until it leaves, but it's not going to leave until enough damage has been done to it. So if your party knows how to get it out, like the Dispel Evil and Good, which is a fifth level spell. Okay, I forgot how high level that was. Yeah, maybe they, I mean, maybe they need a MacGuffin. Yeah. Right, I, I'm thinking of having to do that multiple times, though. Oh, okay, yeah. And that's probably not going to happen. Yeah, I st- I like killing the sacred statue inside a magic circle, trapping the Eidolon in there. I, I don't have I the like magic that spell up, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that would work. I don't think there's anything about the Eidolon that would allow it to get past a magic circle. Yeah, that, that checks out. But yeah, this the, the fact that this is something that all you need to do is... And I say like this is simple, but it's the hardest thing for me. All you need to do is come up with a riddle. And from there, this this becomes how your players want to handle this encounter. And the entire time, this thing is going to not be going for the kill. So you don't really have to worry so much about a TPK. But it's going to be sitting there and, you know, makes it slam attack, throws a rock at somebody, knocks him down, and it goes, leave. Please. <laughs> <laughs> There's more where that came from. <laughs> I mean, these are like what the, the biggest the devotees to gods. They're probably just a bunch of like religious, like nerdy scholars. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Theology majors. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's the reward. They get to stay in the temple for all eternity reading their books. Right. And Ilmatar says that you're not supposed stuff. to be here. <laughs> um, well, wait, I'm sorry. Well, what was that? That seemed like actually a good thing to add. What? And beating people up that are trying to steal stuff? Oh, okay. I thought you were saying that it could, it it could sit there books. and read stuff. I mean, it could. The Eidolon... I, it doesn't say what the Eidolon does all day. It says its only purpose is to guard them. It's like, it's probably pretty chill most of these temples. Like, if an adventure is there, it's probably not a high traffic tourist area. See, there's another way for the party to, to potentially try and get past this creature, though, is appeal to the god that it's it's protecting the the temple of there you go if you come in and you know that this is for the the god of i don't know love and you you find a way to prove love boom it's like oh you guys are cool you can come on in that's you know you've you've proven yourselves as devote worshipers or you know whatever you want to to do there maybe it asks for a a new piece of knowledge because it's been trapped and bound to this for hundreds and hundreds of years and it knows that that god is still active and it's like what has been going on for the last 200 years i've read all of the books in here i've i know everything that i can know but i want to learn more 
So I mean, there's so many ways to handle this. Totally. And also you could just use it for cool world building. Um, even if it, they'll never actually come up in combat, just if you want to add kind of like the, the, the magical, like high magic element to it, or really show how involved the gods are in your world, just in temples, like big city temples that are heavily trafficked and occupied and used all the time, has eidolons circling around. And these temples are adorned with these sacred statues all over. And they're just there almost as bouncers. Yeah, people get out of hand. Yeah, if people are clearly, yeah, security systems trying to steal from the temples. If the town gets sieged and someone tries to sack the temple, these things spring into action. Oh, that's horrifying. <laughs> I love that. So the town's under attack and you just see all of the, the churches and temples just have their sacred statues just rise out of the ground and put the smack down on whatever has come. And so. it it doesn't need to just have the religious text to it. I mean, it's I don't think it would be that far-fetched to think like any evil wizard bound sure. to bound one of these to the service to protect their tower or stuff like that. Have your big bad evil guy control a couple of these things. No, they use golems. <laughs> That's the rule. I mean, you need yeah, a book. officially. And wizards love books. We need a book for a like, golem. Yeah, the book of golem. Okay. Yeah, that is a magic item. It teaches you how to make the golems. And I think players have two years of downtime. I think it's, yeah, I mean, it's up to you, though. There's, you're right. I think a wizard having a golem would be a little bit more usual thematic. But what if it was a wizard who was maybe in contention with the gods or maybe trying to steal information from the gods? That definitely seems fitting for them to find a way to bind a Eidolon. Eidolon. Yeah, uh, to a sacred statue as almost a show of of power. Like I can do the same thing that you can do. So it's D and D. It's open ended. <laughs> and you know what else would be a show of power? Using the code MM10 to get ten percent off your you dice order it. on Metallic yeah. Dice Games. You got oh, it. <laughs> the setup dunked. <laughs> Yeah, show those dice makers who's boss. Yeah, no, actually, well, they're like really good to us and a good affiliate. That sounded too mean. <laughs> Don't show them sure. who's boss. Just show show us who's no. You're not showing anyone who's boss. That's not a show of power. Just save some money on cool dice. I would love to show you some of these metallic dice that I don't have in my hands. But maybe if Ellie's feeling crazy, put a little little dice right here. At this point, it's just gonna be full screen picture okay of like well, the logo and the code and i'm juggling them juggling right. those dice so <laughs> you can check out metallic dice games get 10 percent off your order using the code mm10 and they have not only metallic dice they have resin dice they have uh liquid core dice that are absolutely beautiful they have gemstone dice that i really need to stop buying <laughs> so pretty yeah they're uh, so nice <laughs> And yeah, dice accessories, other things like that. So please check out Metallic Dice Games. And if you've enjoyed this conversation, which I hope you have if you're you're still here, then you can leave us a comment. Let us know. Let us know how you'd use a sacred statue or Eidolon or the mixture of them. And if you want to support the show, then you can head on over to monstersmulticlass.com forward slash support and 
you can join our Patreon as well, where we have uh, campaign diaries, early episode releases, and occasionally other things, mostly just things related to campaign prep. Like, hey, I made this map. Use this map. It looks pretty cool. Uh, thank you to our existing patrons, Edgy, Mudaway, Brian H., Craig A., Isaac M., Jeff W., Star Shinobi, Vincent M., Bob F., Joe P., Rick D., Sensible D20, Tyler S., Gray, Barons, Adam A., Rob K., and Gray, the other Gray. Uh, and make sure to subscribe, ring the bell, and again, just, just tell people that you enjoy our show, not just us. You know, we're tired of it. We're tired of the praise. We want you to tell other people. I'm not tired of the praise. <laughs> I'm basically Tinkerbell, so lay it on. Applaud. Praise. End the show. End the yeah, episode. All right. Thanks for watching. <laughs>